This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Well, this is Matt Kanata. I am your host, and I'm joined by Sutton tonight. And behind the scenes is McKinney, and House is on vacation the next two weeks. And as you noticed, no introduction, because simply put, I can't do an introduction for the Miami Dolphins right now. I cannot, in good faith, put on their fight song. Because as the fight song goes, the... Uh, when it, when it begins, Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. Okay, that's false. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. Uh, that is false. We're in the air. False. We're on the ground. Well, Ryan Tannehill's on the ground. We're always in control. That's false. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, and that is, that is false. Because we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, number one. If you're talking about number one draft pick, yes, that is true. If you're talking about number one in the NFL, that is obviously false. And then it repeats itself again, just to reiterate that they will be having the first pick in the NFL draft in 2017. And and that's how we're starting our show today. And and Festivus is on December 23rd every single year. But this year, we're bringing it to you on October 11th, 2016. Because there is a lot wrong with the Miami Dolphins. And there is so much wrong with the Miami Dolphins that there is already an internal power struggle between Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum. And if you're in our live thread right now, please feel free to, to ear your, your grievances. And we will read them throughout the night. If you are listening to us and you're not in our live thread, feel free to call into us and air your grievance, grievances. The number is 347-326-9461. Again, that's 347 347- Three two six nine four six one, and we'll talk. We'll vent. I'm going to bring you through all the inside information that I have 
regarding the Miami Dolphins front office. We're going to answer your questions. I'm going to sprinkle in inside information, okay? There is a lot to dissect today, especially because Dallas Thomas got released, a fan favorite. Billy Turner got released, lately a very much so fan favorite. Jameel Douglas got released, a fan favorite. Isaiah Pete got released, and that is the most interesting one. And we'll get into this about Isaiah Pete a little more, but that was Adam Gase's dude. Adam Gase banged the table for Isaiah Pete. Adam Gase wanted him to be, you know, one of the featured running backs in this offense. And Adam Gase said today, you're out of here. So that, to me, is sending a big message. Before I go to Sutton, I just want to bring your attention to a more serious note. If you go uh, to thefinsider.com, you will see a GoFundMe uh, help page. One of, our, one of our posters tragically lost his son the other night and, and did a fan post about it and very heartbreaking. And, and we, he needs help to pay for expenses because funerals are not cheap. And no one expects their 28-year-old son to pass away so tragically at such a young age. So if you head over on to, to thefinsider.com, you will see it in one of the posts. Uh, you could search for it as well. It's uh, under the fan post recommended on the right side. Please help out a fellow fan, uh, Finsider family member. Rick Baker, a.k.a. Animal 2020, uh, lost his son as an act of violence, and he does need help. If you have some extra money, please feel free to donate it. He's looking for 5000 so far, the Finsider family has raised three hundred eighty dollars. I know that puts and a little. Matt, and Matt, yeah. just uh, let me cut in really quick. Uh, Animal Twenty Twenty has been a member for a while now. We would all know him by what his old grandpappy used to tell us, and just a great, light-hearted guy. And for him to be going through something as miserable as this, um, and, and, and just to. Just to throw this out there, he he is not the one asking for this help. He is a very proud man. He is not. Um, we we are kind of going out as a family to try to take care of him. Um, he, uh, as a parent, MC Money, you have a child, James. I know you have a kid. Um, I have two with two on the way. Uh, just hearing this kind of hearing this kind of news just really brings you back down to. You're just a speck in a big old ocean, um, and I think we all need to remember that that no one's promised tomorrow. So please, um, if you have a child, give them an extra special hug and a kiss tonight because you never, you know, no one's promised tomorrow. Right, and, and very well said. And yeah, anyone with children, you don't really understand how much it can hurt until you have a child. Then you look at life completely different, and that's I can't even imagine, don't want to imagine, and I hope you know I or anyone else never has to face that um, tragic incident. So I know this is a rough transition, but the show has to go on, and we just wanted to get that out there for you. Sutton, I I aired my grievances, oh, just a part of them though. I that's definitely not all of them. You will hear tons of them as the show goes on. And I could sit here for three, four hours till 3 a.m. in the morning, and I know that's not four hours away from now, but just go with it. (laughs) Uh, Before I get into all the inside information and we go back to the offseason, all the way back to Lamar Miller and how Adam Gase and Mike Tannenbaum fought about that, yes, they did fight about that, and you'll be surprised to hear what happened with that. But Sutton, um, your thoughts, 
briefly from Sunday, your thoughts on today's moves and today's dumpster fire that Adam Gase walked into the office, threw over all the tables, elbow dropped (laughs) 25 guys, walked into the office, and then just set a match on fire and walked out of the room. Uh, What do you got for us, Sutton? Yeah, he walked in and said, O'Doyle rules. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's – I couldn't really – it was such a quick change of events. I mean, just boom, 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 boom. Turner, Thomas, Isaiah Peed. It's a lot to digest in a short amount of time, and and so a lot is coming out from this. And it really just seems like, okay, everyone is now fully aware of how big of a pile of shit this is, and everyone is trying to distance themselves from it. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're going to see a lot here is just, well, this is part of the problem, and this person was the reason why this happened. And so I do think there are definitely some lines drawn in the sand, but I think that's the nature of the beast. I'm not going to get pissed at people for the way organizations work. I'm not really sure with this power structure how it was supposed to work anyway, because Tannenbaum was admittedly not a grinder, and for anyone who doesn't know what the term grinder means in the football world, it means somebody that's really in a tape and dissecting the tape and figuring out uh, positives and negatives and talents and weaknesses and strengths and all that kind of stuff from tape. And Tannenbaum has admittedly not been that guy. So really what he was was some kind of organizational personnel hybrid that wasn't really tied to anything specifically. And when you put someone in charge like that, just think of, think of it in terms from the scout, okay? You've been scouting people for months. You go and talk to their families. You go and look at the game tape. You're watching for hours and hours and hours a night. There's legendary stories about how much time scouts spent just watching tape every night. And you go into draft day, you've invested so much time, and then you see someone like Tannenbaum who's not watched tape come in and override a decision that you've made over months and months of an investment. So I don't know how that kind of power breakdown really works in in real life, and it just seems like you have to go with a structure that separates business from personnel a little bit better, and I don't think we did that very well. It's, it's really fascinating to think about how much went wrong with the Dolphins over the past several years, and it's really been a several-year work in progress to get to the point where we are today. We do have a caller on the on the hold right now, Tim. He wants to talk about how to fix the Dolphins. Tim, uh, give us your thoughts very quickly, 30 seconds or so. And then we'll put it back on hold and um, we'll talk about it. Go ahead. Okay, I'll try to I'll try to wrap it up in thirty seconds. It's a lot. I know it's hard to do to get other teams to do it, but we need to look at the situation and, and, and figure we are at least two years away. I like Adamic and Sue. I like Richard Jones. I like it, but if we can get picks for these guys, first round pick, maybe for Sue, you know, I know his cap is high, but there's teams that can put him. Uh Richard Jones, great player. Want him. No good on our team. I mean, because we're not going anywhere for two years. Get a second rounder. Albert, you know what I mean? Minnesota just lost two guys. I know they signed Jake Long, but come on. Uh, let's get picked back. 
that we gave them to go up and get Carew, which I thought was ridiculous. Let's get that pick back for him. Let's send Pouncey out there to see who, who might want a center if a center's hurt. Maybe, you know, it'll, there, there's got to be ways that we can put these guys out there in the market and take what we can get. I know we're not going to get the value for him that we should, but what we have right now is not working. And and we got to, to rebuild. you got to take your best assets, which is what these guys are. These guys are our best assets. And, and you just have to trade them away, and you just have to start it again. And, and, and I would like to have Gase have more control because I'm a little worried about Kenny Bomb, you know, maybe screwing up these draft picks. But, you, you know, I mean, he hasn't done a horrible, horrible job. I mean, but we, this is the only way I can think of trying to fix this team. I mean, we got a handful of good players, but they're not doing us any – we need a whole new – a whole new structure there. You got to get a, give away your good assets, even if you're not getting the value that you should get for them. And I guess, yeah. Yeah, Tim, I agree to a certain extent. I don't think that we can necessarily get rid of every commodity that we have because um, it, it seems like you're kind of approaching us from a, a business standpoint. We have certain assets and, we're only going to get better if we can flip those assets around if we know it's not going to be a meaningful asset when we're actually supposedly winning in the NFL, which I don't know what that feels like, so it's hard for me to relate to. But I agree that you have to see what players are worth, but you also have to have you know kind of a two-, three-, four-year plan of who are you building around. And if you have no clue who you're building around and you have no idea what people are worth, which I think, which is what kind of the situation we're in, which is horrible. Um, I don't know that we actually have that luxury of taking that kind of approach. What do you think, MC Money? Well, I think Tim is fed up. First of all, Tim just wants to go next level gays here and just bomb the whole team. Uh, it, it's hard, Tim, to trade the guys you're talking about because of their salaries. You got you to understand that when teams trade for guys, they take on their salaries exactly as it's structured. They could always renegotiate, but more often than not, unless a player is desperate to be on a team, they're not going to renegotiate. No one's going to take the Sioux contract. Rashad Jones is a baller. You don't give up talent like that, in my opinion, even if the Dolphins, as you think, are two years away, which I think they're actually three to four years away, especially if they need a new quarterback next year. Uh, you got to keep some talent. Brandon Albert, I don't think anyone's going to take him. Uh, aging player, always injured, his contract as well. It, it's it's tough to trade these guys. I think the Dolphins may try to be sellers this year, like we see in baseball where they're trying to get rid of a, as many assets as they can. Uh, you know, it will be interesting to see what they do and how more cuts come in. Tim, we thank you for calling in. Uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. And if you guys, again – Want to call on air your grievances, talk about the Dolphins, 347-326-9461. We're basically ripping up our entire script for tonight that I worked on earlier. There's really no point in talking about the Titans game. There's really no point in talking <laughs> about the Steelers game. Uh, the Titans was just – it was worse than my high school football team uh, played at the, on Friday night. And, and the Steelers, I don't, I don't think the Dolphins have any chance against the Steelers. But knowing well, the Dolphins – MC Money, MC Money, you know one thing that I noticed about that Titans game? was that there was not nearly enough beer in the cup that I was drinking from no, no, to not get at me all. through that game. If I had known 
in hindsight that it was going to be that torturous of a game, I would have become more prepared with a much, much bigger mug. I basically sat on my sofa the entire day and didn't move after that game. It was brutal. So, so let's go back here. Let's go back to, to when this all started. Okay, we saw Dallas Thomas get released. We saw Billy Turner get released. We saw uh, Jameel Douglas get released today. These cuts are a direct slap in the face to Mike Tannenbaum. Make no mistake about it. A direct slap in the face. Mike Tannenbaum told Adam Gase in the offseason that his offensive line depth was fine. He told him that he could win with this offensive line depth. He told him that, listen, if Brandon Albert goes down, which he probably will, and he has, you have enough depth to make it work. He said if you have someone else go down, maybe Jermon Bushrod doesn't come along as, as planned at the guard position, you have enough depth to work with. Adam Gase, rookie head coach, two months into the job, trusted Mike Tannenbaum. And we see the results. Brutal, brutal results. Gase has control of the 53-man roster. He does not have control, per se, over what happens in free agency. That was Mike Tannenbaum and Chris Greer. So, so today's cuts was telling Mike Tannenbaum, you suck at evaluating talent. And, and this is happening, guys. Mike Tannenbaum and Adam Gase are not getting along. And they have not been for quite a few weeks. I was telling the guys in the Finsider chat that we, have, that we have a private chat with the Finsider crew. I was telling these guys that I had this information a few weeks ago, but I was told I could not reveal it because that's how information works sometimes. You'll get, you'll get a tidbit. They'll tell you the tidbit, but they'll tell you that you can't say anything about it. On Sunday, I saw a few other people tweet it, and that's when I was able to, to reveal that I had heard it as well. And, and prominent people have said it. Ian Wharton has said it of Bleacher Report. Simon Clancy, who's very well connected, and I know he's a polarizing guy, he has said it. Uh, Chris Perk of the Sun Sentinel said it today. Uh, Chris Kaufman said it today, very connected to the team. So, so the, was, the rumblings are there. It's going to happen. When it happens, it we, remains to be seen. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when right now. Uh, so let's go back to the offseason when Lamar Miller was – uh, negotiating with the Dolphins, and Adam Gase wanted to keep Lamar Miller. He wanted Lamar Miller on this team. And Mike Tannenbaum said, no, we're not paying Lamar Miller. Mike Tannenbaum put his foot down and said to Adam Gase, we're going to let Lamar Miller walk to Houston. And that's where it started happening. That's why you saw the Dolphins go after uh, C.J. Anderson and didn't offer him enough money because Mike Tannenbaum, again, said we're not going to overpay him. That's why we saw them look at Matt Forte. That's why we saw them bring in Chris Johnson. Adam Gase desperately wanted a running back. He desperately wanted, you know, a running game to help Ryan Tannehill. And he wanted to keep Lamar Miller. And Mike Tannenbaum said, no, you're not keeping him. Lamar Miller is not doing great in Houston, but Lamar Miller is a hell of a lot better than anyone the Dolphins have now. Mike Tannenbaum restructured Ndamukong Sue's contract, so now we're stuck with Ndamukong Sue for about two more years before the Dolphins can realistically get out of the contract. Mike Tannenbaum has destroyed this Dolphins team. Sutton, what are your thoughts? You know, Lamar Miller on the, on the way Tannenbaum has put this team together or lack thereof. And, and, and just what, what is it? Okay. So I have a question and maybe you can fill me in a little bit better. Okay. So a lot of the talk that I heard 
in the off season was how all the how collaborative they were being, how Tina they Baum were. and Chris Greer and Adam Gase, they were all collaborating on everything and everything yep. seemed to be really rosy from from at that point in time and then you flash forward to today and you and decisions are made not collaboratively unless I mean, does Tannenbaum sign off on this kind of release? I mean, what's what's the decision making process? No, and no. Tannenbaum compa- I, compared I mean, compared to how collaborative they were before. How does it go from? Why is it that in season personnel moves are so different than preseason personnel moves? Shouldn't everything be doing? You know, shouldn't everything be happening collaboratively? Yeah, and and it was happening collaboratively. Uh, how are you say the word for 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 quite some time? Um, but here's the thing: Adam Gase put a lot of trust in Mike Tannenbaum. You know, I think that's the biggest thing. And when you're a rookie head coach, you just got a job. You know, this guy hired you. I mean, how much are you going to put your foot down? And when when this guy's telling you that your offensive line depth is fine, when you hear horror stories probably inside that building of how bad the coaching was. When you have an ego, you know, like these, like these coaches do, you know, they think that they can, they can turn things around. And I'm sure, you know, Lamar Miller, I'm sure Adam Gase was pissed off at that. I'm sure Adam Gase was pissed that C.J. Anderson wasn't drafted. But I'm sure Mike Tannenbaum sold him that Jay Ajayi can be that guy for him. And, and I think now that Adam Gase is seeing that, wow, I cannot trust Tannenbaum because he has no clue really what he's talking about. But, but it was collaborative. I, I do think... Adam Gase and Chris Greer, on the other hand, have a good relationship. I don't think Chris Greer is in trouble. I do think, well, I don't, I, it's not that I think Mike Tannenbaum will be fired by the end of the season uh, or shortly after the season's over. And just to go back to Chris Greer, it's really hard for me to put him in all this mess right now. I mean, as Dolphins fans, we're pretty used to, to knowing what organizational failure feels like. So I feel like we do have a better sense of where, um, where we need to shore things up a little bit. And I don't think Chris Greer is it because he didn't have any decision-making powers. Am I correct in that? Well, he was collaboratively working, but Tannenbaum controlled the budget for the roster in the offseason. And Tannenbaum was very strict with the way the money was being spent for whatever reason. I have no idea why. When you look at the draft, it was not a Tannenbaum draft per se. It had fingerprints of Gase and Vance Joseph and Chris Greer working together. Uh, Xavier Howard was Vance Joseph's guy all along. Vance Joseph really loved him. So you know the coaches had a lot of input on the draft. Same with um, Kenyon Drake. Gase, that was a guy where Gase used his connections with Nick Saban and, and got Kenyon Drake. So the draft had, had the coaches' fingerprints on that with, with Chris Greer. The off-season transactions with the free agents and everything else was a lot of Tannenbaum's doing. Yes, I mean, and when I think back to Chris Greer's background, I mean, his whole family is in general managing. I mean, that's yep. just like what they do. So it's really hard for me to believe that that's not the type of person we want in a position where we have him. Um, now, granted, I'm always worried about the Peter Principle, and if anybody's not familiar with the Peter Principle, it's 
having somebody that's doing really well at a certain job and then you promote them and they can't do that job very well because they've already right. plateaued. So we have kind of a tough time discerning which individuals fit the Peter principle and which don't. But I don't think Chris Greer fits that. I really do think that with some time that he's going to do well. Um, and he's homegrown, too. I mean, eventually we need to have someone homegrown that knows this place and that can establish some kind of culture that's have, have that's been here longer than two years. I mean, how can you come in and build culture when you haven't been here for more than a year or two? So we need somebody with a little bit of some roots and I think Chris Greer could potentially provide that for us. Absolutely. And the other thing that uh, Adam Gates told the team, he said Chris Greer, well, he said the general manager is not getting fired. Uh, he said, you have a first-year general manager, he's not getting fired. First-year head coach, I'm not getting fired. Adam Gates is going to uh, – he's already been pushing for more power. He already has some, and he's going to get even more. And I think we'll hear a lot more come December or possibly sooner because the season has, for all intents and purposes, fallen off the radio uh not the radio <laughs> what am i talking about falling off the rails uh maybe that's a little foreshadowing that i get fired too by the end of the season um let me just jump to a few questions here on twitter and bob caruth has been you know throwing questions all day long i don't think he's left his computer all day we that's had, we your had, boy right there that your is boy. my boy bob your i boy. owe some beer too so <laughs> Let's see. Let's see here. Okay. First question for Finsider Radio. I'm going to go through these quickly, Bob, because you have a rapid fire here. If the Dolphins have the number one pick, do you go with Kaiser, Watson, Garrett, or none of the above, and why? And that, and that is kind of tough. Um, uh, but I think the Dolphins go with Kaiser. Uh, I think you have to. I don't think you need to overthink it there because Adam Gase might think that he can develop a, a mid-round quarterback. But, but listen, take take the sure pick. I, th- I think Deshaun Kaiser is, is a sure pick. I think he's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL. He's in a tough place right now. But if he comes out, you know, you know, then I think the Dolphins have to seriously consider it. The next question from Bob. Uh, question two, who are the five players, if that many, you would keep for next year? So, and I'm going to throw this one over to you. What five players would you keep for next year? Well, we have no choice in keeping Sue. We need to keep Sue, and I would keep him anyway. I mean, I, I know the uh, the contract extension maybe in uh, in hindsight is not that great of a move, but uh, we got to keep Sue Jones, keeping Rashad Jones, or keeping Jarvis Landry, Jay Ajayi. I think uh, what I saw. Yeah, from he's coming. Him he's coming weekend, out of the doghouse. Absolutely. I, I think that he he finally showed me that ability for a Dolphins running back to push the pile a little bit and get some short yardage stuff and put his head down. Um, so I like he him going forward. He played forward. well on Sunday. So I think I, I'm going to kind of combine him and Drake into like a package deal. I know that's not really fair. Um, so you got to go Jarvis Landry, Rashad Jones, Dominican Sue, the running back hybrid. And then Laramie Tunsil. I mean, everybody else after that right. is, is fairly expendable at this point. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. Uh, Chance Tannenbaum gets fired. Uh, I already answered that. He should be gone at the end of the season. Uh, more from Bob, given today's offensive line purge, which player or which unit may be next up for cuts? That's going to most likely be the cornerback position. I do think Maxwell is on borrowed time. Remember, um, 
He wouldn't even be playing right now if it wasn't for Xavier Howard's injury. The Dolphins signed two running backs off waivers the past two days. Uh, so the writing is on the wall for Byron Maxwell and everyone else in the cornerback unit. Start playing or you're out. And remember, Chris Culliver is coming off the, uh, in about two weeks. Oh, um, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, would you trust Dan Marino running football ops with personnel power going to Greer and or Gase? Bob, I'm going to get to that at the end of the show because there's a lot of confusion about running football ops and being the general manager. Uh, let's see. Could Gates handle – Bob, you just went crazy today with these questions. Jesus. All right. If T-Bomb <laughs> is released the power, personnel, or otherwise, do you think Gates will be able to handle it? No, I don't think he wants all the power. He's going to work with Greer on it, I believe. Uh, thanks, Bob, for the questions. I'll get back to your uh, executive – branch of government within the Dolphins a little later on. Matt Gruber at MJAG21. Why are people so eager for Chris Greer? Hasn't he been in the front office for the past 10 years? Our talent is not great. That is an excellent question, Matt, an excellent point. We don't know how much power Greer had as a scout and as one of those executive scouts uh, higher up there in the hierarchy. We don't know what, what he pounded a table for, what he didn't pound the table for. Mike Tannenbaum liked him. I think Mike Tannenbaum thought he'd be a little puppet for him. I think that's kind of backfired on him a little bit, but it's a wait-and-see approach with, with any GM, uh, whether it's Greer, whether it's guy who's accomplished, whether it's anybody. Uh, but you do bring a fair point. It, it might be – it is too early to jump on his bandwagon because he hasn't proven anything yet. So that is just a wait-and-see approach. All right. Those questions were from Twitter. We will get to the live thread questions in just – a few minutes, but, you know, I wanted to go back to, to our thoughts about today and, and everything else. And I mentioned that I don't think Gase wants all the power. Gase wants to coach football guys. Uh, he is a football coach. He wants to watch film. He wants to make those decisions. He wants to create game plans. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with, with the power structure there and how that all works out. Mike Tannenbaum had to be convinced to not Mike Tannenbaum, I'm sorry, Stephen Ross had to be convinced a little bit and pushed a little bit to hire Mike Tannenbaum in the first place. Wasn't a huge fan of him uh, to begin with, but he was pushed in that direction, and now this is what happens. I think Ross puts a little too much trust in people. We saw that with Carl Peterson and him recommending the hire of Joe Philbin, whereas Jeff Ireland wanted Mike McCoy, and I know Mike McCoy is not doing any better in San Diego, but at least he's still a head coach, right? Uh, so he is. We do, yeah, he is. We don't know who Ross is getting his advice from now uh, in terms of whether to let Tannenbaum go or not. I suspect he was pushed by Bill Parcells when he hired Tannenbaum because, of course, those two are very good friends, and Ross still consults with Parcells on a uh, consistent basis, and maybe he needs to start dumping that because, obviously, the advice he's been getting hasn't been working. I do have some tidbits on the coaching staff, what you can see at the end of the season. Busta, and any guesses to who you think may be getting the axe at the end of the year? Well, it doesn't seem like Chris Forster's job, the offensive line coach, sure doesn't seem like his future is that bright. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to guess wide receivers coach, too. And uh, we, we heard how well – he responded with the players, but we're not seeing the type of offense that we were supposed to see. Devontae Parker um, had the one game, and we really haven't seen much of him since then. So other than Jarvis Landry, again, we don't have any reliable wide receiver options. 
despite the fact of how much we've invested in it. So I don't like what I'm seeing from the wide receiver coach. Maybe that's a bit of a oddball pick there, but I'm going with that. Hmm, that's an interesting one. That is an interesting one to see to see if I, I do think Sean Jefferson will be back. But you're right, the Dolphins receivers have not been uh not been doing well. Um, you are dead spot on about Chris Forrester. Chris Kaufman at Fake CK Parrot uh, mentioned this today on Twitter. Uh, Simon Clancy mentioned this as well that Chris Forrester will likely be out at the end of the season, and when he was hired, Chris and Simon and I and a few others said that it was a bad hire. Uh, Forrester's lines have never been anything to write home about in the NFL, and he will be relieved of his duties most likely shortly after the season is over. Let's see. Uh, the, the defensive coordinator, not the defensive coordinator, I'm sorry, the defensive line coach is another interesting one. If you remember, Dolphins wanted to bring in Clint Hurt, and he was the Bears' uh, outside linebacker coach. And the Bears blocked him, and Gase was ready to bring him in. So uh, Gase worked with him in Chicago when Gase was the offensive coordinator. So that is another move that I expect to happen shortly after the season is over because Clint Hurt's contract is is done after, after this year, so he'll be free to sign with the Dolphins. Right now, their current defensive line coach is Terrell Williams, and he started there last year under Joe Philbin. And, and last year's defensive line was one that underachieved, and this year's defensive line obviously is underachieving. So we should see Clint Hurt in Miami next year, I believe, unless things have changed. Who knows? But I don't think Terrell Williams will be back. And, and we could see some other, other moves that might happen as well. Now, MC Money, educate me on something. Now, you're becoming aware of this, so obviously the players and coaches are aware of this. How does that affect the dynamics of what's going on in the future? I mean, when we see these coaches come up to press conferences and stuff, are we just supposed to just take everything with a grain of salt and just assume they're blowing hot air up our ass in terms of how much they love working here and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean it's hard, it's hard to tell, tell tell because you always hear the stories about the coaches after after the coach gets fired. Obviously, people some people in the locker room don't like Gates. I'm sure of it. But the thing is that Gates is going to bring his guys in, and if you're not on a ship, he's going to get rid of you. And he's shown that he doesn't care who you are. If you don't, if you're not going to play hard for him, you're out of here. And we see that today. We're going to see that in a few weeks. We're going to see that continue as Gates really gets more comfortable. And he's kind of a Bill Belichick type and a Nick Saban type. Uh, get, get, get on my way or, or get out. And I think that's refreshing to see. Reminds me a little bit of Don Shula's attitude. I'm not saying he's not Don Shula. Please don't get me wrong. But in the terms of, you know, how brash he was and how he handled his players, some players respect that. Some players can't handle it. So we'll see. We'll see who thrives under him. We'll see who, who collapses and wants out. And I'm sure he'll let them out. Well, and it's uh, it's a different kind of – it's like a millennial aggression. It's not like yelling or anything. It's right. just like, okay, sit down. You're fired. Uh, here's your paperwork. See you later. Good luck. And you're on your way. And so it's 
I kind of like it to a certain degree because, like you said, it's uh, limits are being placed on things and boundaries are being set, and we're not really used to those types of things happening. Right. So I think some of us are unfairly cynical about how this is going to work out. Like, oh, maybe there's going to be a revolt and they're not going to like Gase anymore because he's being so mean. And <laughs> I just think you have to you have to stay with the standard now that it's been established. Exactly. So, and I don't, I don't in other words, you cannot you cannot take your foot off the pedal now that you've gone down this road. You have to you have to keep going forward, and you can't compromise that ideal in any way, or you could lose the locker room. Absolutely. I don't think he necessarily has in any way so far, but I think if he does compromise that standard, then it opens the door for things. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. And you're right. He hasn't lost the locker room yet. I'm, I'm not sure if he will as the season goes on. I don't think he will. I think he's brash enough. I think he's confident enough. I think he has the uh, stigma and, and charisma not to lose the locker room. And if he does lose any guys, he's going to get rid of them. And it's just as simple as that. All right, let's head on over to our live thread. And let's see if you have any questions coming in. Uh, let's address these and let's get back to everything wrong about the Miami Dolphins. What do we got? Okay, I got something from Survivor number one. He's got two questions. I'm going to take the first one, and then I'll throw the second one to you, okay? Okay. So the first question is, if the draft started tomorrow with the Dolphins having the number one pick, would you select a new quarterback? Well, I'm sorry. You may have not understood that. Quarterback. <laughs> Shut if, up. If I was – okay, so to answer that question uh... – I'm not normally in this boat, but I think the answer is yes. Um, I don't even necessarily like the quarterbacks coming out this year, but I didn't necessarily like the quarterbacks coming out this year, and you saw what teams are willing to give up to get the top quarterbacks of any particular draft class. So it's just the intense value of a quarterback. And I don't know that we can go in to next year with Tannehill as our only option making $20 million a year. I don't think that that's fiscally responsible. And if we're in the position where we draft number one, I think we have to take the number one quarterback. I think that's just what you do. Um, if we happen to finish, you know, two or three and that top quarterback is off the board, I'm liking Miles Garrett as a defensive end. I think we need to get one of the premium playmaking positions and uh, just roll the dice and see what happens there. But, yeah, for number one, we take quarterback. Yep. Okay, second the part. second question is, who do you think is at fault for the Dolphins' slow start? I'll throw this to you, MC Money. Yeah, there's a lot to go wrong with the Dolphins' slow start. Uh, you can look at everything. I think the Dolphins don't have a lot of smart players on their team right now. Of course, the offensive line is a huge issue. The running back situation, a huge issue. The defensive line, the linebackers, the cornerbacks. Um, did I miss any other positions there? The wide receivers not, not doing their job. It's just been a total failure, systematic failure of the Miami Dolphins roster. And that points back to no other than Jeff Ireland, Dennis Hickey, and Mike Tannenbaum. And that is why... <laughs> Years and years of 
systematic failure has finally caught up. Let me bring you up the 2013 NFL draft. The Miami Dolphins 2013 draft class, year three, 2016, is when these guys are supposed to be thriving in the NFL, right? Hitting their stride. Deion Jordan, bust. Jamar Taylor, bust on a different team. Dallas Thomas, bust, finally got caught. Will Davis, I don't even think he's in the NFL anymore, is he? Remember playing for the Ravens. Jelani Jenkins, always injured, fell off a steep cliff after his rookie year, probably gone next year. Deion Sims, still a serviceable tight end. We'll give him that one. Mike Gillisley, out in Buffalo, scoring touchdowns for the Bills. Caleb Sturgis, he's kicking right now for the Eagles, right? Kicking for the Eagles. And Don Jones, uh, I don't think he's in the NFL anymore. Yeah, but you've been a fifth rounder, fifth rounder on Caleb Sturgis. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, not, I'm not even, giving he, him the benefit of the doubt for a fifth rounder for somebody still kicking in the NFL. Yep, and he lasted, jeez, uh, two years on the team. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, 2013, 2014. Andrew Franks was here last year in 2015, right? Yeah, yep, yeah, he kicked last year. So that's, that's your yes, 2013 sir. draft class, folks. If you want to go back another year, okay, where uh, guys who are now in their fourth year will be hitting probably the end of their rookie deal, you just look at the 2012 Miami Dolphins draft class. In the first round, the Miami Dolphins selected none other than our boy, drum roll please, Ryan Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I thought you were going to say second, Josh Howell. Second round. None other than <clears throat> Jonathan Martin. Third round. Yes. Go <laughs> Third on. Round. Keep going. Third round. Olivia Vernon. Just got a huge deal. Dude, he's uh, so good. Third round. Michael Agnew. <laughs> Fourth round, Lamar Miller, the guy that Adam Gaze wanted to keep, but Mike Tannenbaum wouldn't let him. Fifth round, Josh Cadu. Okay. Sixth round, B.J. Cunningham. (laughs) Seventh round, Mm -hmm. Easton Randall. Seventh round, Rashard Matthews. Another one. Not there anymore. Let's look at the 2014 Miami Dolphins NFL draft. All right, and I know I skipped, we were skipping questions, but we'll come back to that from the live thread because I know we have a few more. All right, first round, 2014, drum roll, please, Sutton. <laughs> Jawan James. <laughs> yes. Second round, good pick, Jarvis Landry. Third round, Billy Turner. Fourth round, Walt Akins. Walt Akins is a great special teams player. Round five, Arthur Lynch. Round five, Jordan Tripp. Round six, Matt Hazel. Round seven, Terrence Fide. What an absolute I did. Um, oh, the guy that pushed the punter egregiously. Yeah. That probably yeah. should have been the first person to be cut. Uh-huh. Um, so he's going to start all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But honestly, Absolutely. all those all those names you just said, I was just like, blah, 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 Jarvis Landry. And that's really it. And it's just proof in case any of us are wondering, like, if if we're – in this perfect storm of just not having enough around us to be able to gauge if we actually have talent or not, we know for a fact that Jarvis Landry is an extremely talented person. 
Right. Okay, so we can get a person in the second round despite whatever is going on around you, and they can stand out and make plays and make a difference. Mm-hmm. So it is a testament to the fact that it is possible for us to make good draft choices. And I can right. only reason by the law of averages, by the sheer amount of failed draft picks that we've had recently, that we should have some good draft picks coming up in the future to balance everything out. So, in that note, we're going to kick ass drafting number one next year. What do you think? <laughs> Let's hope. If Adam Gates and Chris Greer are running the show, I do have confidence in them, but maybe I trust too much as well. Let's go back to the live thread. We got any questions going on there? I know we have some more. Yeah, I got one from Daytona Dolphin. One question. Do you think this is the end of roster cuts or are more on the way? Now, I have responded on the live thread already, and then I'm going to throw this to you, MC Money. I said, um, you want to make sure these are not knee-jerk reactions, but you would think that Thomas and Turner are maybe not the only fat to trim there. So just curious what you think. Like, is this a one-time, like, hey, listen up. You're not doing your thing. I'm getting rid of you. Or do you think this might happen every three or four weeks where he just gets rid of a couple people that just simply aren't doing the job? No, I I think we will see more cuts coming. Like I said earlier on the show, uh, defensive cuts coming up and soon. I think cornerback will see a few cuts once they get all their guys up to speed that they just sign off waivers and once they get Chris Culliver back and ready to go. So I think we'll, we'll see some more cuts at the cornerback position as we move forward. I do see one as well. Uh, we kind of addressed this already. Today's bloody Tuesday for the Dolphins signifies there's a battle between Coach Gase and T-Bomb. What are your opinions? We did address that uh, earlier in the show. Anything else, Sutton, in the live thread? No. I think that was about it. There's some other comments going on about how you need to make sure you're you stay aware of bears and how dangerous <laughs> they are and and monkeys but we all yeah. knew that uh, i do see that one friend, number one threat to america okay from our friend johnny yeah you need to make sure you watch out for all monkeys and all and all bears and i was just telling alpha uh he's a black label society fan told him he needs to check zach wild out in concert incredible guitarist but and uh, you don't know anything about that. So let's go on. Uh, You're a Lady yeah. Gaga fan. I have no idea what you're talking about. Give me Start Taylor Swift and give me Lady Gaga. Talk, I mean. All right. I, I mentioned earlier in the show that I was going to talk about what the difference is between, you know, a vice president of football operations and a general manager. And I know people get this confused a little bit. When you are a general manager with full control in an NFL organization, what that means is not only – are you handling the personnel side of things? But anything doing with football, you have your hand in, whether it's the video department, the equipment uh, people, the public relations staff, all the uh, digital media guys, the social media guys, all those guys dealing with the football side of things report back up to the general manager. Dennis Hickey was the general manager, and he was running the show. When Jeff Ireland was the general manager, he was running the show. Not only do they have to worry about personnel in the NFL draft and free agents and all that, they also have to worry about everything else dealing with football matters, video, um, equipment, all those guys. Okay, MC Money, can I interrupt you right there? 
I'm yeah. so sorry, but I have a very important question to ask. And I think yeah. a lot of people are probably thinking the same question. If you're a general manager and you are responsible for so great many a number of things, you know, from the scoreboard to technology to sports science to analytics to all this kind of stuff, why is somebody that distracted and all over the place responsible for making all the personnel decisions for the team? I'm wondering, isn't it a better fit to go with the guy who knows football more? And that's presumably the head coach. So why isn't there more head coaches in charge of personnel stuff going on? Because it just seems like the head coaches know football and general managers are, like you said, generally managing everything. So yeah, why do you that, want that's... somebody that's all spread out all over the place being the one solely responsible for making those important decisions? Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. And, and I don't know. Some head coaches don't want all that personnel control because they don't want to have to sit through it and worry and hold these draft meetings and worry about who they need to scout on, on draft tape and they just want to coach and put game plans together. Some coaches don't have the time for it. Uh, so that's why you got the general manager. But the general manager also has his um, scouting staff, which he relies heavily on. And or maybe if the coaches aren't doing well, they can just say, oh, well, that guy didn't get me the players I wanted. So. Exactly. So, so that, <laughs> yeah. that that brings into play also the, the fighting that goes on. So so that's right. why when Dennis Hickey was here, he was struggling with all of that. That's why they brought in Mike Tannenbaum. Mike Tannenbaum, I talked to many employees uh, in Miami, in Davie, who were thrilled that Mike Tannenbaum came on the board because they said the culture instantly changed. It was going from a depressing culture to one where people were moping around to one where Tannenbaum completely changed the attitude and the environment in that facility, just based on what he did uh, with the meetings he held with the people he brought in to speak to the staff with just the little things, putting up highlights, you know, for the players and everything else where Mike Tannenbaum's downfall was though. Now he got involved in personnel. He couldn't trust Hickey. Ross couldn't trust Hickey. Uh, they weren't even talking to each other. Tannenbaum was making the decisions and then it just became snowball effect after snowball effect. And, and we see now the results from it. So when people say that they don't think the vice president of football operations structure works, it does work if that person doesn't get involved in the personnel side. So Bob asked about Dan Marino. Well, Dan Marino, can he manage all that? Yeah, he probably could. Does he want to? I don't know. The Dolphins have been trying to get him more involved in the organization. Uh, if Dan Marino stayed out of personnel side of things, absolutely it can work where he's just kind of managing all of other football operations where Chris Greer is managing the player personnel part of it where Adam Gase is collaborating with Chris Greer and, and getting everything done. And that's really a, and not a bad structure. It just hasn't worked in Miami very much with Bill Parcells and Mike Tannenbaum now. And that's mainly because those guys have both gotten involved in personnel issues. And that's really the downfall there. So, and I don't know your thoughts on what you think structure works. I don't think there's any one structure that we know works. Uh, it all depends on who's running the show, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a toss up. Now, if if you ask me, and this is a very difficult thing to prove, but the closest thing that I can come to is uh, people that can work together that don't give a shit how things get done, as long as it gets done. Absolutely. They don't care about they don't care about title or power or money or anything like that. They just want to win it. They want to win football games. They don't have yep. to make a name for themselves or anything like that. They're just they're just a, a nameless cog in the machine, basically. Those are the people in the front office that really seem to do well to me. Um, 
and it's the but it's also the front office that are that are willing to push the envelope in terms of how they scout players. I mean, currently teams are spending three million dollars to to scout players right now. There's got to be a a more effective way to to get all the information out of that draft process, and I think uh, teams are slowly getting there. Um, but the teams that do well, the Green Bay's, the Pittsburgh's, uh, they are the teams that just have consistency. But that word gets thrown around a lot, doesn't it, MC Money? Uh, you got to have consistency. Well, if you suck, you shouldn't be keeping the same the same people in the positions that they are. So eventually you got to think that the right mix of coach, organization, and talent is going to be here where things are finally going to jive. And then from that point, that's where, that's kind of our springboard. We're waiting for that springboard, and we don't know where that's going to come from. We don't know if Gase is that person. You know, we've hired a old GM and a young GM. We've hired old coaches. We've hired offensive coaches and trench warfare coaches. We've hired defensive coaches. We've hired new defensive coordinators and old defensive coordinators. We've hired everybody and anybody under the sun to try to right the ship, and we cannot get that right mixture of people. And you have to think, again, just going back to the sheer law of averages, <laughs> that we're going to find the right mixture of people eventually. And you like to think that as transparent as Adam Gase has been so far, um, he's been refreshing as a fan. So even if he's not the guy, I don't know that at this point, and that's that's the kind of guy I'm willing to go down with. I mean, he's he's telling it as it is, and he's making personnel decisions. I mean, he cut Jason Fox like day one, so <laughs> he's not afraid to cut, you know, trim the fat, and uh, that's what it seemed like he did today. So hopefully, um, he can establish that culture instead of this being just kind of a um, empty threat. Yeah, and I mean, you look at guys like teams like the Patriots, where they just get it done. Okay, they just they just go to work. The Broncos, they just get it done. The Dolphins need to get on that level. Hopefully, with Adam Gase, you know, at the, at the head of the franchise, that starts to start happening sooner rather than later. All right, we touched yeah, on a lot if, of topics. If, yeah, go ahead. And and if the Pats cut two players today, I don't even know if that's a news story. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just These like Belichick uh, could could uh, release two players for whatever reason, and it's viewed as you know a genius move. So um, you really have to see everything in context too. I mean, it's uh, good coaches can do certain things like that, and a, a, a new a new young coach like Adam Gase. Um, he's taking a risk right now, and I'm just hoping that that aggressive approach ends up rewarding him and not backfiring on him because I really appreciate his aggressive approach on things so far. Yep, I think a lot of fans are appreciative of it too. We see the reaction on Twitter, on social media, on Facebook, on, on the live threads, on our articles, and people like what he's doing. Whether or not that pays off, we will see, but obviously it's still too early to make any kind of assumption one way or the other. We touched on a lot tonight. I gave you quite a bit of inside information from the team that has been confirmed and collaborated by other sources as well that have been out in the open. Uh, um, it's happening, guys. 
five weeks into the season and there's turmoil in the Dolphins front office and things will happen and things will get fixed, but it's going to be a long season. I guess we do have to give our predictions for Sunday, Sutton, huh? It's going to be ugly. <laughs> are, you, are you sure you want to do that? No, I don't. 37-14 Steelers. <laughs> um, um, Ouch. Yeah, that's – oh, gosh. If you have a Steelers player on your fantasy football team, you definitely – Play them. Definitely have to start them. Um, yeah. I'm going to go 31-21. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll keep it within 10. That's pretty good, right? <laughs> yeah, 31-21. I'm going to go with that. Um, so, so yeah, if you're an Antonio Brown owner this week, yeah. um, you might as well just go ahead and take a nap at 1 o'clock because yeah. he's going to do pretty well. And if you're playing Antonio Brown, I'm sorry, but chalk up a loss because it's going to happen. Well, if so you're playing Scott, Le'Veon Bell, you should probably chalk up a loss. And if you're playing Jesse yep. James or Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, yeah it's just it's, it's just at that point right now. And I was trying to not get into all that uh, hoopla, but it's really hard to see it any other way than what it is right now. And it's just a Absolutely. dumpster fire. Absolutely. All right, guys. Um, I did have one more thought that is slipping my mind right now. Oh, yes. So Sutton and I are predicting uh, a Steelers victory, so that means the Dolphins are going to win on Sunday. So we'll catch you next time on Finsider Radio. Please follow me on Twitter at FinsInsider. Sutton, we're still trying to work on, to get on Twitter, uh, but you can read his, his work on the Finsider.com. We'll have plenty more information coming out over the course of the week and leading up to Sunday's game. Thank you for joining us. Uh, feel free to keep interacting with us in a live thread. And we'll talk to you next week. And real quick. Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.